1: The day of the Lord is rushing upon us. The day of God's judgment is upon us. It's not coming in the future. It's already begun. And the cry of my heart is that you be ready for that day of judgment because you will stand before the throne of God and answer for your actions. There will be no grace covering for you. According to Titus, grace is not a pleasant quilt that covers over and hides our sin. Grace, according to the Apostle Paul and Titus, is what teaches us to say no to ungodliness. I want to go back with you to the message of John the Baptist. We must begin, stop listening to interpretations of Scripture that are lies, and we must begin to study the Scripture for ourselves. It must come alive in our hearts. Now, I know there are some basic beliefs that we like to imagine. Someone recently said to me, Yes, I know, the closer we come to Jesus, the more sinful we appear in our own eyes. I was taught that as a child. It's a lie. The closer we come to Jesus, the more plainly we see the need for absolute washing and cleansing and restoring until finally, with great shouts of victory, we stand clean before a holy God with no longer any shadow of darkness in our hearts. That's what John Wesley called entirely sanctified. It's what Romans 6 says is the total destruction of the old man. But we've been taught, I've been taught, you will always be a sinner, and you need the covering grace of God. No, I need the blood of Jesus to wash and cleanse me Some of you have bucket lists. Oh, I want to go on this cruise. I want to go visit this national park. I want to go to Europe. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do all of that before I die. What are you going to do when you die? I tell you honestly today, I have only one bucket list. It only contains one thing. I want to go to heaven. I want to spend eternity with Jesus, and whatever the cost, it is worth paying, and I will, by God's grace and the power in the blood of Jesus Christ, atoning sacrifice, I will pay that price. Now, obviously, I need to go to the scriptures, and we need to talk about this. So I'm going to read you a couple of passages of scripture that will help confirm what I am saying. I don't want you to believe anything that I say that does not come straight from the word of God. Second Peter, the third chapter. He's talking about the flood and the destruction of the whole world. How the whole world perished in the water. Verse 7, but the heavens and the earth, now present by the same word of God, are being reserved for fire, having been kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. See, don't tell me that when you die, you're going to be made godly. To be made holy is never in any part of the New Testament scripture or Old Testament to be made holy is never in the future tense. It is always in the present tense. You are either going to be made holy now in the present or you will never be holy. And because now the judgment of God, the day of the Lord is rushing upon us. We better be holy We better be made righteous by the blood of Jesus, washed and cleansed. But let me finish reading. Verse 9. The Lord is not slow concerning his promise, as some consider slowness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing anyone to perish, but for all conceivable men to come to repentance. It does not say that all conceivable men would accept Jesus. The question is not whether you accept Jesus. The question is whether Jesus will accept you. And only those Jesus accepts will enter into the kingdom above. You can accept Jesus, and many will be in hell who have accepted Jesus. And then they live by their own rules. They've done it their way. They never... They never left their sin. They were never made holy by the blood of Jesus. They continued their worldly bucket list. They continue loving their entertainment. One Christian man, it's so frightening, he loves to watch the vampire movies. Really? Another man loves to watch the sports the professional sports. We each have our our bucket list where we go to be made comfortable, where we go to be soothed and, and veg out, be satisfied. Some of you satisfy yourselves by repeatedly, perfectly cleaning your house. Some of you satisfy yourself by making money. Some of you satisfy yourself by having wonderful children and they become your idols. We have a whole smorgasbord of ways to satisfy the immediate desire of our heart to be loved and accepted and to be who we think we should be. But that's not what the scriptures say. It's Jesus I must be accepted by. Not the world, not the flesh, not the devil, not the church. It's Jesus I must be accepted by. It doesn't matter if I accept Jesus, if I continue to walk in my wickedness and in my sin, in my actions. I'm not talking about emotions, that's included, but specifically dealing with my actions, the way I spend my time, the way I spend my money. You know what? I only have time for two things. I have time to take care of basic physical needs. And I have time to seek after Jesus with all of my heart and to win as many as possible to his kingdom. You see, in the end, all that will matter is whether Christ Jesus is in me and I'm in Jesus. Nothing else will matter. All of your scores, all of your accomplishments, all of your worldly desires, all of the stuff that you've collected will mean nothing on the day of the Lord. Second Peter 3, verse 10. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements being burned up will be destroyed, both the earth and the works in it. The earth is going to be destroyed, and everything you have done outside of Jesus Christ will be destroyed. In Matthew, Jesus says, Every plant not planted by God, will be pulled up and cast into the fires of judgment. So it doesn't matter how far you advance in your job. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter what accomplishments you can list. It matters where you are with Jesus. And that's all that's going to matter on the great day of the Lord. And it's rushing upon us right now. Verse 11, Consequently, all these things being destroyed, what kind of people ought you to be in holy conduct in what you do? And godly acts. Expecting and eagerly desiring the arrival of the day of God because of which the heavens being on fire will be destroyed and the elements being burned up are melted. But according to his promise, we expect a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, while expecting these things, that is, while expecting the fire of God to come and destroy this earth, even as Noah expected the rain of God to come and wash away the wickedness and drown every evil person, now we expect fire from heaven to come and devour the wicked. You must make every effort to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. In fact, you must regard the patience of our Lord as for salvation. Now let's go back to Jesus. I want to read this to you. John the Baptist said this about Jesus. Let's be plain. Take the words for what they say. Don't apply some false meaning to these words. I did a lot of research before I did this broadcast. And over and over, I found pastors and commentaries saying, the fire here is not literal. Yes, it is. Let the scriptures say what they mean. And don't give yourself a cheap out Listen, John the Baptist said, I am baptizing you with water, but the one mightier than me is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. He himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You will go through the fire. And if you're consumed... It means you have been unholy, and you've not been cleansed and purified by the blood of Jesus, and the fire will consume you. Whose winnowing shovel is in his hand, and he will thoroughly cleanse his threshing floor. Well, what is the Lord's threshing floor? It's the earth. And Jesus will come and cleanse the threshing floor of sin. And of sinners, only the righteous will survive. I'll read that to you now. He will gather the wheat that is the righteous. He will gather those who are not walking in rebellion and sin against him. He will gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with fire never to be put out. He's describing hell. Jesus is going to come. Soon, it is rushing upon us. And in that coming, he will cleanse the threshing floor. He will cleanse the earth with fire. America will burn. America will no longer exist. It will be crisp. It will be ashes. I believe this is going to happen in your lifetime and mine. I am looking for the fire of God I am looking for that total cleansing of God's people. You've been taught, perhaps, that you can continue to sin and God's unconditional love is going to save you. That's a lie. That's the lie of the modern church. Jonathan Edwards did not believe that. John Wesley did not believe that. And I could name many other greats of the American church and of the European church. They did not believe that lie. They believe that when a man is saved, he is made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ, and he no longer walks in sin. I urge you, if you have not done so, go back. Google on your computer... The Sermon Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God by Jonathan Edwards, who was a Reformed Presbyterian. What I'm talking about today is not Baptist or Presbyterian or Holiness or Assemblies of God. It is the faith of the ancient people who walked righteous before God. And today, as we prepare for the coming Day of the Lord. We must be made righteous, not by works, not by human effort, not by white-knuckling it, but by total and complete surrender to Jesus Christ. He will thoroughly cleanse his threshing floor. If you're walking in known sin, you will be one of those that will be thoroughly cleansed from the floor, and burned with the chaff. Is this difficult to understand? I don't think so. This is straight up. It's not hard to understand. It's not hard to grasp. I want to read for you from one of my, my favorite authors, Charles Finney. It's from the book, Holy Spirit Revivals. There's a man who is who has come to some of his meetings and who has been listening. He's a, a man of great intellect. He's a thinker. He's a man of keen understanding. He has a shrewd mind. He has a strong will. And he has an unwavering, unwavering character. He walks... In morality. But in the midst of that, he's a skeptic. He does not believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. And so he comes to Charles Finney in Rochester, New, New York in 1830. And he asks Charles Finney, Would you please prove to me that the Bible is true? Well, this is what Charles Finney said to him. Do you believe in the existence of God? Oh, yes, he said. I'm not an atheist. Well, do you believe that you have treated God as you should? Have you respected his authority? Have you loved him? Have you done what you thought would please him? Or, in other words, have you done what pleased you, but not God? and you made excuses for those things in your life that the Holy Spirit has been prompting you to cut off and drop, but you frankly enjoy them a great deal, and you don't want to cut them off. You want that bedroom. You want that little bit of self-room where you can take care of your own heart and spirit and say, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a good man. I'm a good woman. But you know you're proud and arrogant. You know... You've not cut off those things that Jesus called you to and you have not taken into your spirit those things that Jesus has tried to give you. Finney continues, Don't you admit that you ought to love him? Worship him? Don't you admit that you should obey him according to the best light you have? Yes, he said. I admit to all of this. Have you done so? Why, no, he answered, I haven't. I can't say that I have. Well, then I replied, Why should I give you further information and further light if you will not do your duty and obey the light you already have? When you make up your mind to live up to the convictions of your heart that you've been pushing away to obey God according to the best light you have, to repent of your neglect thus far, and to please God just as well as you know how for the rest of your life, then I will try to show you that the Bible is from God. Until then, it's of no use for me to do any such thing. And the man replied, I don't think that's fair. And he promptly left. The presence of Charles Finney. Charles Finney wrote, I heard no more of him until the next morning. Soon after I rose, he came to my lodgings again. As soon as he entered, he clapped his hands and said, Mr. Finney, God has worked a miracle. I went down to the store after I left your room, thinking of what you had said. I made up my mind that I would repent of what I knew was wrong in my relationship with God and that hereafter I would live according to the best light I had. When I did this, my feelings so overcame me that I fell down. I would have died if I had been alone, but I was with a brother who was with me in the store. From that time forward, Charles Finney reports that he was a man who walked righteous before God so I have to come today saying the day of the Lord is rushing upon us. You do not have very much time. We see famine. We see pestilence. We see a coming nuclear war. We see nation rising against nation. We see incredible inflation, and we will see much more. You've seen nothing yet. You're going to see many people forced out of their homes, you're going to see a dramatic increase in homelessness you're going to see such unimaginable unimaginable suffering in this nation the day of the lord is rushing upon us are you living up to the light you have mr christian Are you obeying the word of the Lord that you understand in your heart or have you taken the cheap way out and said, oh, I'm saved in spite of my sin. I have imputed grace. I have unconditional love from God. I'm good to go. I'm saved. I have my ticket to heaven. No, you don't. You do not have your ticket to heaven until you are washed and made clean. Until there is no longer any disobedience in your life. No longer thoughts of sexual immorality. No longer any actions of pride and arrogance. It causes me great heartburn when I meet a Christian who has all the answers down pat, who knows a theology, but has never been transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ that person or that man is a shame to the name of Jesus. The pride has to go. The anger, the bitterness, the self-centeredness, it has to go. The lust for the entertainment of the world, the lust for the provisions of the world, the lust for the money and the recognition and the power, along with the fornication, along with the pornography, along with the lying and the stealing and the cheating and the drugging. and the, It all has to go, and it goes by the blood of Jesus Christ as he comes and cleanses us, and we make a decision. I will serve Jesus Christ, and my first desire, my foremost desire, is that I be with Jesus for eternity. I give up my earthly plans. I give up my earthly goals. I give up my earthly dreams. I want to go to heaven. It will take every ounce of energy you have. It will take every dollar you possess. It will take all of the time just to get ready to go to heaven. And most of you listening right now to this broadcast, can I be very straight? You're not totally ready to go to heaven. Fear, depression, anger, bitterness, hurts. They still dwell in your heart. Your personal goals. Oh, I want to build that house. I want that new car. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. Stop it. Stop it! I want what Jesus Christ wants. I want a full revelation of who He is. I want a full revelation of His crucifixion. A full revelation of His resurrection. And a full understanding of what it means to be a servant of Jesus Christ today and not a servant of the devil. I heard a pastor once say, I want to go slow and steady. I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable or unhappy. That dear pastor has tried to build a white picket fence around his dream of the church, and it will be destroyed. For Jesus was extremely offensive to the sinner. Either the sinner falls on the rock and is broken, or the rock will fall on the sinner and crush him, grind him to powder, and the wind will blow him away. God's holiness is marvelous. Now, in the time we have left, I want you to turn with me in your scriptures. Please, you need to look at this. You need to follow me. Please, don't. Don't run off somewhere. You need to hear this. This is a revelation straight from the Holy Spirit. I want you to hear it. The book of Colossians, written by the Apostle Paul. I'm going to begin reading in chapter 1, verse 12. This is Colossians, chapter 1, verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father the one having qualified us for the share of the allotment of the holy ones in the light. In other words, Paul is thanking the Father for transforming him into the likeness of Jesus. Verse 13, who delivered us out from the authority of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Now, let's go back and break that down. I've read it many times, and many times I never understood what he was saying. But listen, I'll share with you what the Holy Spirit has quickened in my heart for the meaning. The word delivered who delivered us out from the authority of darkness in the LXX, the Greek Bible that Jesus used. That word delivered is the same word that is used for Moses delivering the children of Israel out of their bondage. He delivered us out from the authority of darkness. You recognize that the kingdom of Jesus means the authority of God is being exercised over us and we are submitted to it. Likewise, the authority of darkness or the kingdom of darkness is where Satan rules, and there is no place except the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light. There is no in-between place. There's not a space for you to operate as you choose. The devil is happy for you to operate as you choose because that's under his kingdom. But those of us who have been delivered out from that authority of darkness, are translated into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Now this word in the Greek, the meaning here, is far more than moving from one place to another. It is not the person that he used to be that is transferred. It is a holy one. These holy ones are transformed persons translated into the kingdom of God, changed, transformed, because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Only the holy can be transferred. Can the blood of Jesus Christ as he sacrificed his life on Calvary's tree, only bring the remission of sin, that is, the forgiveness of past sins? Can the blood of Jesus only deliver us from the guilt and penalty and wrath, but not remove the sin from our hearts? I want to say very plainly, the blood of Jesus is not like the blood of bulls and goats we find in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4. Salvation is from sin, not in sin. I want to say that to you again. Please catch it. Salvation, if you say, I'm saved, salvation is from sin, not in sin. Sin and guilt are inseparable. Both are removed or both remain. Sins are not ever passed over under grace. Look at Romans 2.13. Under grace, sins are not removed from the mind of God unless they are removed from the life of the believer where there is forgiveness, or affamy is the word, removal, as under grace, sin offerings have ceased because sin is removed. I want you to see that atonement and its benefits are not the same thing. Jesus paid the full price on Calvary. He finished the work of atonement. But now that atonement work must be applied to your life. And if that atonement work is rejected, if you choose to continue walking in rebellion against God, you cannot be transferred into his kingdom. And you remain in the kingdom of darkness. Now I want to continue reading who delivered us, this is Colossians 1 verse 13, who delivered us out from the authority of darkness or the reign of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have the redemption by means of his blood, the removal of the sins. It's not just the removal of the guilt. Colossians says it's the removal of the sin. Now, I know that goes directly against the modern church. I make no apology. I stand with Scripture, not with the modern church. The modern church is apostate. It has given a soft message that you can walk in your sin and still be saved. and God loves you unconditionally. Lie, lie, lie. It will take you to hell. He goes on, Who is the image of the invisible God, firstborn in reference to all creation. For by himself all things were created, the things in the heavens and the things on the earth, the things visible and the things invisible, whether thrones or lordship, whether rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him and for him but he himself is before all things and all things have been held together by him and he himself is the head of the body the church now i want to read one more passage and you having been formerly alienated in enemies in attitude by the evil works. But now he completely reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and without reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, having been established and firm, not being moved away from the hope of the gospel... See, the hope of the gospel is not that you just be saved in the modern church sense. It is that you be saved from all of your wickedness, all of your disobedience. It is the glory of God to make you into a new person. He says, we proclaim, warning every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now please understand, my goal is that you be perfect in Jesus Christ, that you no longer walk in any sin, that you walk clean before God. So I come back to where we started. You know the teachings. You've listened to the preaching. But now, where's your heart? Is your heart for the money? Is your heart for the prestige and the recognition? Is your heart to be the authority, to be the teacher? Is your desire for ascendancy, who will be the greatest among us? Are you competing with others for love and success? Are you sitting in your secret place and watching filthy, unclean things? Are you watching the demonic shows on television? Are you going to the demonic movies being shown in every movie house in America? Are you watching the violence and enjoying that violence? Brother, sister, are you filled with your desire for ascendancy in the sports? My brother, my sister, the day of the Lord is rushing upon us. We're going to see soon the famine. We're going to soon see the destruction of America. We have a corrupt government. We have an utterly corrupt medical community. We have an utterly corrupt and evil central banking system. We're crashing. And people will die. In the Great Depression of 1929 into the 30s, over 7 million people in America died of starvation. I know what it's like as a child to live in a house without running water, without a toilet, only an outhouse. Freezing cold in the winter, tying a rope from the back door to the outhouse so you don't get lost in the snow and die when you're making your way to the outhouse. I know what it's like to have cold linoleum on the floor and no carpeting and no wood. I know what it's like to have no food in the house and have to get down on our knees and cry out to God and ask him, would you please send us our breakfast because we have no food and we're hungry. I know what it's like to have nothing. And I know what it's like to have much. That's not really what matters. What matters is, am I seeking Jesus and obeying him with all of my heart? Is my time given to reading the scriptures and praying and fasting and reaching out and helping others? When you go to that job, are you testifying about Jesus Christ? Is your heart filled with the joy of God because you've been made clean by the blood of Jesus What's it like in your life? I know that there is a a desperate need today for this message of confrontation to wickedness and sin. There's a great need for this message to be broadcast all over America, in every major city across this country. And in many small places, it's necessary for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the true gospel of holiness and righteousness, the power of the Holy Spirit, the coming of revival, it's necessary that these messages be proclaimed over this entire nation. I am praying, I'm crying out to God, I'm saying, please lift up a standard of righteousness and morality in our nation once again. Christianity has been the glue that has held our nation together and made it great. And that glue has now been dissolved. And the only possibility of redemption is for us to once more hear the fire and brimstone of holiness and righteousness and confrontation with our evil hearts and the recognition that the day of the Lord is Upon us, and the judgment of God with fire will fall on America. Yea, under the whole world, because Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. A recent poll three out of four people have absolutely no fear of where they're going when they die. Wait until they hit the fire. Then they'll have concern. The book of Enoch talks about this. It talks about those people who are now crying out to God for mercy. And the Lord's response is, your time is past. You did not take time to repent. You did not take time to obey the word of the Lord. You lived your own way and your own life, and your doom is now sealed, and you will be cast into the fire on the judgment day. And there was great weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Would you be among that group? Do you love the TV more than you love your Bible? Do you love your YouTube videos more than you love your Bible? It's time for a standard of righteousness to be lifted up. And I know this broadcast needs to go national across America... But I'm asking, are there any people who are so committed to Jesus that they agree with me? Do you agree with me that this message of holiness and righteousness needs to be sounding out across America, over the airwaves, over the internet, everywhere? We need to have a confrontation with wickedness and a call to revival and a call to walk holy before God. If you'd like to be a part of that. You may have land to sell. You may have houses to sell. You may have investments in silver and gold. It will take a million dollars to go national. That's what Weva has told me. Do you want to help? Are you deeply convicted that America needs to be confronted with its sin and turned toward Jesus Christ? And the lies of the modern church exposed. And the comfortable, seeker-sensitive churches. The ritualized churches. Who are very religious, but who have no Christianity. Who have not been transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Do you agree with me that we need to confront that? If you do, I'd like to hear from you. You can call me. I'll give you my phone number. Jot it down. This is my personal cell. And if you call me, I'm going to ask you, what would you like to do about this? I know one person could give a million dollars. But many people can give what they can give, and we could still accomplish it. You're welcome to call me. 703-489-1785. Are you ready to commit yourself fully, completely to the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you willing to cut off all of those sins of your heart that you know Jesus has been speaking to you about by his spirit? Are you willing to stand clean before almighty God and say, okay, Lord, I'm done with my sin. As of right now, I'm done with my sin. Can you say that with me? That you will no longer walk in the darkness of your flesh. You will live as a part of the kingdom of God and cry out to him to make you righteous. This is a divine act of the intervention of the Holy Spirit in your life. You must be transformed by the Holy Spirit through the blood of Jesus. Are you willing? Are you willing to bring a confrontation to America? I am, and I will. As far as the Lord opens the way, I will do it. It doesn't matter what it costs me. My life is on the line. Now, when the last days of this month, We're still far short of what we need to cover the cost for just this broadcast on one radio station. I want to thank each of you who has been giving. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for standing with me. I love you with all my heart. I want a holy group of people who will lay their lives down with me for the gospel starting first in America. If you'd like to be a part, you can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. Or you're welcome to write to me. And you can write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, two I'd love to hear from you. You can text me. You can email me. Where do you stand with these issues? Are you clean? Have you been washed by the blood? Are you on your way to heaven or are you on your way to hell? How do you stand? Have you said I'm safe, but in fact you're lost? And in your spirit, you know you still love the things of darkness. It's your choice. Lord, I've said what you gave me to say. Two minutes. Lord, I have revealed your word to your people, and they are now accountable for what they have heard. Many, Lord, are weak and do not have deep roots, and they will be swaying in the wind. I pray, Lord, you will give your people deep roots down into your heart that they will no longer sway in the wind, but they will stand up and say, I'm done with sin. I will follow Jesus. No matter what the cost, I will follow and serve my Lord and my master, Jesus Christ. Lord, would you move in the hearts of each to make that decision if they have not already made it? I thank you for those who have made that decision and who are walking clean before you. I thank you and I praise you for each one of them. And now, Lord, I pray that you will lay upon our hearts the burden for lost men and women in the church and out of the church that a standard of righteousness could be lifted up that there would be a holy people to meet you when you come on the day of the Lord. I pray in your holy name. Amen.